Today, our show is sponsored by Nutrafol. 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. If you are among them, know that you're not alone and there is a solution you can trust to deliver results. Thousands of women have taken back control of their hair with Nutrafol. Nutrafol offers targeted formulas for women that are clinically shown to improve hair growth and thickness with less shedding through all stages of life. Healthier hair growth takes time. You'll begin to experience thicker, stronger, faster growing hair in three to six months. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months of use. Nutrafol is physician-formulated to be 100% drug-free. They use medical-grade botanicals in consistently effective doses so you get the most reliable results. And no matter your stage in life, they have a solution. Nutrafol women's formulation is ideal if you're experiencing thinning hair loss caused by stress, dieting, overstyling, or environmental toxins. Their other formula, Women's Balance, is for additional hormone support for those with thinning hair through menopause. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code SELFIE to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer anywhere, and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus, you get free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com. That's spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com with the promo code SELFIE. Today's episode is sponsored by Somavetic. Somavetic is a device that combines an Eastern approach to health and wellness with modern day technology. If you have a lot of devices in your home, as most of us do, then there are hundreds of signals floating through the air at any given moment. This is called EMF, and some people are really sensitive to it and believe that it can cause some not great things in the body as a result of all of these free radicals bouncing around. If you're concerned with the unwanted influences of electromagnetic radiation or geopathic zones, you'll appreciate Somavetic. Somavetic devices rely on frequency therapies and the healing powers of precious and semi-precious stones and metals to create a natural energy field to harmonize your home. It does this through the controlled release of energy from precious and semi-precious stones. It creates a 360-degree field with a radius of 100 feet in all directions. The founder of Somavetic launched these devices in 2011 as a response to his own ongoing health struggles. After years of no success with Western medicine, he turned to traditional Chinese medicine and found a variety of healing properties with stones and minerals. After some time, he was able to heal his body and has helped others as well, and his experience inspired him to create Somavetic. If you're interested in mitigating EMFs and creating a harmonic field in your environment, these devices are a great solution, and they are beautiful. Each device is comprised of their own semi-precious stones with unique properties. Somavetic is a small company, and all products are handmade and hand-assembled in their Crystal Valley, in the Crystal Valley of the Czech Republic. If you want to try Somavetic, they have a 60-day money-back guarantee to let you try. Visit somavetic.com and use the code SELFIE for 10% off. That's S-O-M-A-V-E-D-I-C.com with the code SELFIE for 10% off. Hey, everyone. I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and a psychotherapist. And I'm Rue Powell, an admitted workaholic and self-care Luddite. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast about women learning to take better care of themselves. We think self-care is important, but it can simultaneously be elusive. We don't lack information about it, but we don't always quite get there. So this podcast is dedicated to exploring different aspects of self-care, from the silly to the serious. We're looking at health, relationships, beauty, periods, and maybe a touch of the random. We also want to look at the hurdles we face that keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. To submit questions to me or Rue, or to Claire, our beauty expert, or BJ, our resident therapist, join us in our private forum by searching Selfie Podcast Community on Facebook. Hello, guys. Well, today we have a full and interesting episode. We are chatting with Stephanie Estima. Um, She is a clinician in functional neurology, but we are talking about can orgasms improve your health? Spoiler alert, they can, but she's going to explain how. Um, And then BJ and I are actually going to discuss something that has been discussed quite often in our community group, which is how much privacy should we give kids on their phones and how much should we supervise? So very interesting conversation with her. Um, But first, I'm going to check in with Rue. Rue, we were just chatting about this pandemic wall that we both feel like we've kind of hit. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's, is it because we're coming upon the one year anniversary of just being in lockdown? Um, I'm not sure. How about you? Yeah, I, I definitely feel like I've hit that wall. I, I really resonate with people talking about that. I think for me, it's not so much the date 
as it is, I, I just think winter has been really hard. I think we've all been cooped up in our house. And I mean, I know I can't really talk because I live in Southern California. But you know, we, we have less sunlight during the day. I always tend to get a little bit of seasonal effective in this season. But it just feels like we're really cooped up right now, like really living a Groundhog's Day. Well, I know you had done something really cool for one of your kids' birthdays. You rented out a whole movie theater and just watched a movie. It was a shot in the arm. And I mean, I know it's silly because it's just a movie and we're all watching movies at home. But to be in the theater and to be in like one of those cool recliner chairs and it's empty and because it's just us, our masks are off while we're like having popcorn and Sour Patch Kids. It was really great. And I would love to come up with other things that are similar similar to that, that are safe and just feel like... I mean, when I say shot in the arm, I know that sounds dramatic, but truly it was like, wow, this feels just like a little bit of normalcy and we all felt it. Totally. Yeah. I mean, and then we were also chatting about this too, but it's like, I feel like in the midst of this wall, I'm just going big on every holiday, every event. Like we, you know, it was Valentine's Day last week and normally, you know, maybe I would get my my kids like a little candy. I mean, we did, we like, we made homemade Pop-Tarts one night that were in heart shapes and we like got a big chocolate pizza candy thing um, that's shaped in a heart. And then today I gave them gifts and I gave them like an absurd amount of gifts, like a stupid amount of gifts from Target. (laughs) You know, so I just feel like I'm going overboard on everything just as like a rah-rah, like... (laughs) Way to break up this monotony. I did the exact same thing with the Super Bowl. As someone who has (laughs) never really gotten into the Super Bowl, except for when I've, you know, for six years, I was writing for Ad Week. And so I was watching for the ads um, because we were writing (laughs) about them. Like we made rings with footballs on the end, a big banner in my living room that's still up that says game day on it. Like it's just, I've never been that kind of mom, but it's been really nice again, because it's just something different. And it's a, like every weekend has been, okay, what are we going to do this weekend? Uh, You know, it's snowing or the weather's bad or so it was, it was really nice. That was really fun, you know, making guacamole and cheering on a team. And it was good. Yeah, I feel like we're just having to find whatever we can do. We, um, we went to LA, which is not that far from my house. I mean, it's, Well, what's funny is normally from my house in a non-pandemic time, if you went during rush hour, it could be two hours. But lately, it's taking us like 45 minutes to get up there because there's no traffic. Wow. Uh, Because California is still fairly shut down. Everyone's working from home if they can. And so like we went up to Echo Park and we just walked around and we like kind of did a food crawl. I mean, no restaurants are open. Everything's takeout. But like we just visited a bunch of food trucks and a little cafes. And we wandered into thrift stores. And we went to a couple like Instagram outside photo shoot places. So yeah, I just think we are all (laughs) kind of trying to find the fun where we can. But I also think that's exhausting for parents. Mm -hmm. Like we're tap dancing, you know, trying to keep our kids feeling some sense of normalcy or excitement about life. Don't you feel like that? I do. I do. It does feel like you're on a cruise and you're the events coordinator. Yes. (laughs) But I would, if, and I'd love to bring this up in the selfie group on Facebook, I would love to know if there's anything that's the equivalent of renting at a movie theater because I felt like that was really Mm -hmm. safe. And -hmm. where I am, things are open for, I mean, it's not super locked down. You can go sit in a restaurant and have your mask mask off for two hours while you sip a beer. Um, And so that makes me nervous because I don't want to take them bowling or even indoor ice skating or et cetera, et cetera. I suppose we could go skiing, but for people with young kids, and my kids aren't that young, it just sounds like a logistic nightmare. You know, I know. I don't, I, it, it actually, we could go skiing too because we're like two hours from skiing, but it's just not a thing we have ever gotten into. I'm not a cold weather person. I am not. <laughs> I, I do not do well. I'll go out and play in the snow for yeah. maybe 15 minutes before yeah. I, I tap out. Totally. Well, what do you have for two thumbs up today? Okay. So I have this thing that I am sharing, but with regret. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, I feel like I know 
enough about the Kardashians, the Kardashian family. And none of it was because I sought out that information myself. No. It's it's everything I've learned, I learned against my will. And you I can't avoid it. I'm not entire like I am not I am not a, f- a fan of just that entire, you know, skinny tea promoting da 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 culture. There's whatever. I'm I'm not here to bash the Kardashians in any way. But I am here to say that I can't boycott everything. <laughs> uh-huh. So I tried Kim Kardashian's line of bralettes and underwear. It's skims. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I am going to be giving her more money. It <laughs> they are so good. And I love a bralette underwear duo, and I have a hard time finding ones that fit really good and feel really nice. Mm-hmm. And so I bought the like everybody bralette and the underwear. And uh, as soon as I put it on, I went, oh no, like this feels really, really good. I have Mm -hmm. not tried out a pair that has felt this good. I am going to be shelling out more money in order to kind of (laughs) fill up my closet with Kim Kardashian bras. And, you know, it's not like it's, I don't know. I mean, do, do you feel that way about boycotting certain companies? I can't boycott every company. Uh, no, you can't boycott every company. Um, so, okay, what do you like about it? Like, what, like, what, what about it? Is it the fabric? Is it the fit? Like, what's outstanding about it? With the caveat, I am small chested, and I haven't worn an underwire in a really long time. So, I'm uh-huh. not looking for crazy support or anything like that. I'm looking right. for, you know, something that the fabric feels nice. It it fits well. The underwear isn't the kind that like rides up too high or rolls down. Mm-hmm. And I like, um, my favorite style is like the kind of the cheeky kind. So not, mm-hmm. not like a brief necessarily and definitely not a thong, but you know, um, the, the cheeky style. And so yeah. it just fits so nicely and it feels so nicely. And I wore, you know, I don't know, a blouse and jeans over it and everything felt really, really good. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I've I've tried I've tried all the ones that I've been marketed to on Facebook. Like I don't know what is it, Third Love or yes. Pepper or mm-hmm. whatever. All of those, and I like this the best. I like it the best. Okay, that's so interesting. I, I have a question about the cheeky style. Yes. Okay, so here's why I don't wear cheeky and why it drives me nuts. When I'm wearing jeans, it feels like it's only halfway up. So then it feel like halfway up my cheek. So then it feels like that line shows. Oh, I don't, I don't think the, I mean, I haven't had it where the line shows. Um, Mm -hmm. I do, I am not gifted in the chest area or the butt area, however. (laughs) Um, I, I'm a little bit like, I'm a little bit shaped like a two by four. So it's not, that's not something I've had a, a big issue with, but I like the cheekies because I feel like it fits better than both. I think I feel like it fits better and is more comfortable than both a thong or briefs or even boy shorts. Yeah. Interesting. All right. And I also, I haven't been, I know this is going around on the internet and I am not shaming anyone for wearing skinny jeans because we all have the right to wear skinny jeans, but I haven't been wearing skinny jeans for like a year now. So yeah, I am trying to get away from the skinny jeans actually because well, you know, the younger generation is mocking us for it. So, <laughs> well, I <laughs> love I love a a stiff, high-rise, non-stretchy straight leg jean. Yes. Like that's that's where I've been living for a bit. And um yes. I I feel like they're really flattering too. So, All right, what else do you have? Oh, right. So, I have one more. Um so you know how vitamin C serum is usually super expensive and it mm-hmm. they all smell like hot dog water, whether it's like SkinCeuticals or Sunday Drug Riley. Elephant. Yeah, it, totally. it always smells just a little bit like a toasted hot dog. It does. I feel like it smells – you know how I feel like vitamin C smells? I feel like it smells like your skin smells after you go to the tanning booth. Ooh, yeah. Like skin. Yeah, <laughs> it, it does feel like – it just feels a little roasted. Um, yeah. But I have, I get, you know, I'm, I'm mixed and my melanin produces and has whatever way that anytime I have a trauma on my skin, whether that's like a bug bite or a scratch or I nick my leg shaving, it turns into 
like a scar, like darker mm-hmm. hyperpigmentation. So I was talking with a nurse over the weekend, um, over this past weekend, and she said, um, put vitamin C serum on it. And so mm-hmm. I wasn't going to use the expensive stuff that I use on my face all over my legs. So I was looking online and Amazon, this $20 big bottle of True Skin Vitamin C Serum, which I have never seen a vitamin C serum for $20, even at a drugstore, no. has over 60,000 reviews and they have five stars. So I love it. I have been using that on my legs because my legs, like when I was um, mountain biking last summer and I kept falling off and, you know, nicking and, and bruising, my legs still look like that. So I'm hoping that by the summer, my legs look normal again. So I've been using that after I shower, before I moisturize. And I really okay, like I'm it. I really like it. That. I really like it so far. And I have yeah. a little, like, I have like a little scar on my hand that I'm going to use it on too. Now, do you not use it on your face? I use a pricier one on my face right now. Got it. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. I might try this because that is a really good price for a vitamin C serum. Yes. Really good price. And, and yeah, it smells, so they all smell hot doggy, but this one does not smell like, I feel like some of them are a hot dog, hot doggy, hot dog year and hot yes. doggy est. Um, yes. This is not hot doggy est, but it's still, you know. <laughs> That's so funny. How about you? What are your two thumbs up? Okay. Well, my first one is a face mask. I mean, I feel like, you know, now that we're almost a year into the pandemic, like we've all figured out what our good mask is. At least I think we have. It always throws me off when I see someone in an ill-fitted mask at this point because I'm like, dude, you've had a year. Like, yes. Like, how have you not found a mask that fits? But anyway, um, my new favorite mask is from a company called Johnny Was. And they are, okay, it's the folded kind, you know, mm-hmm. like the Old Navy ones. I mean, they're folded the way a surgical mask is folded. But what I like about these, first of all, they are um, a, a cotton sateen. So I don't know how to describe it. It feels silky, even though it's cotton. Oh. But it has like a silky feel, but not too silky. It just feels very soft, um, but they have really cute prints, and they're kind of like boho prints. So they'll they're like florals, but kind of like patchwork. They're just very boho, and I'm telling you, every single time I wear these masks, people compliment me. Like randomly, people, strangers will be like, "That's the cutest mask." Um, but I like them because they have um, on the loop part. It's adjustable, so you can like. There's a little plastic thingy that you can pull it a little bit tighter, and I like that because I find after I've worn a mask for a bit and washed it, the elastic starts to get a little bit loose. So you can tighten it up when that starts to happen. But they're just to me, they're two ply, but they're the most comfortable masks. They're really pretty that too. I've tried yet. They're really pretty. They're really pretty, and they're not too much. They're five for twenty five. You know, so. Similar price to Old Navy ones. Right. Um, and then my other recommendation, this one is a little bit more pricey, but we did get the children bidets for Christmas, <laughs> which is so bougie. But we had traveled to Tokyo where there's bidets in every bathroom, even at the airport. Like, you know, the Japanese just think that washing your butt is not optional. You know, <laughs> they... Like in the same way that we provide toilet paper, they provide a bidet. And so, you know, we kind of fell in love with bidets and they are, they are really nice. It is really nice. Um, so anyway, I found them, I found a brand on Amazon that is not too spendy. It's 250, which is pretty good because they can go up to like 700 bucks. Wow. Um, but this one is Vovo. Um, it has all the good things. So it, it, it has a nightlight. It, um, has warm seats, it has warm water, and it has a dryer so that you don't have to use toilet paper or sit there and drip dry. A dryer. A dryer. Yeah. It's like a hair dryer for your butt. It's like it. <laughs> I wonder when, I wonder when Dyson will come out with it. <laughs> I wonder, right? You would think that's got to be coming. But yeah, we love it. I really, I love it. Now you have to like do a little, you know, electrical stuff, like you have to plug it in. And then you have to like put your water input to it. But it's not it's not that hard. It's, and it's just, I don't know, it it feels like a nice little self care thing every time you go to the bathroom, and and things are very, very clean. That's great. I mean, the the fact that the kids are using it is great. Yes, yes. Kids with clean butts is always a plus. (laughs) Even regardless of whether 
that child is a baby or a toddler or a teenager. Listen, you just, it's a, <laughs> as a parent, that's a constant struggle. So whatever can help. Look, we're still doing laundry. I, you know, <laughs> we've talked a lot about skincare on the show and specifically tretinoin. If you're not familiar, it's a retinoid, which is an active vitamin A derivative that's used to improve the texture, tone, and appearance of the skin. Today's sponsor, Dear Brightly, has a product called Night Shift, and tretinoin is the active ingredient in Night Shift. This is the only FDA approved retinoid for treating photoaging, which is premature skin aging due to long-term sun exposure. Tretinoin stimulates collagen production to prevent and treat signs of premature skin aging from years of sun damage, things like fine lines and wrinkles, dark spots, uneven skin tone, and big pores. Tretinoin can only be acquired through a prescription, but it's 20 times more potent than the -the over-the-counter retinol products. It's one of the most well-researched ingredients with over 50 years of research behind it for both acne and photoaging. I had a chance to try Night Shift, and I'm really liking it. I have the unfortunate experience of having both breakouts and wrinkles at the same time, and it's great for both. I have seen my fine lines decreasing. I've seen my skin tone looking better, and it feels really nice. If you've used an over-the-counter retinol before, you know it's really great, but a dermatology-grade retinoid is even better. Night Shift is their dermatologist-formulated serum that's tailored to your skin by doctors online. Dear Brightly works by you first of all starting by sharing your skin story with them, then a doctor evaluates your skin and your skin history. They then tailor your formula and write a prescription, if applicable, and your tailored serum will be delivered to you in the mail. It's super simple and easy. Head to www.dearbrightly.com and enter the promo code SELFIE to get 15% off your first order, which is their very best offer anywhere. That's S-E-L-F-I-E to get 15% off your first order at dearbrightly.com. So when I was a teen learning to shave my legs, my mom did not do me any favors by buying me really cheap disposable razors. If you grew up in as a teen in the 90s, you know the ones and they left nicks and cuts all over me when I was trying to shave. So With two girls learning how to shave their legs right now, I am committed to making sure that they have good quality razors. Guys, I was probably well into my 30s before I realized the difference a quality razor makes. Today's sponsor is Athena Club. They have great razor kits that we have been using in our house for a couple months. The razor blades are awesome. They are surrounded by this water-activated serum that has shea butter and hyaluronic acid, so you get a silky smooth shave that actually leaves your skin soft and hydrated as opposed to stripped dry. And their blades are spaced out to let hair and shave cream pass through easily so you don't have to make a ton of passes going over and over the skin to remove the hair. Fewer passes means less irritation to your skin, which cuts down on razor burn and ingrown hairs. The razor kit is only $9 with free shipping, and it comes with two blade cartridges, a cute little magnetic hook for your shower storage, and your choice of a handle color. I personally chose the coral, but what I really like about it is they have a ton of different colors, black, white, pastel, neon. So if you have a big family like mine, everyone can have the razor in their own color so you don't get them confused. What I also love about Athena Club, you guys know I love automating things. You never have to worry about dull blades because they send refills on your schedule. You just choose how often you want them and they will send them automatically with free shipping. I would also highly recommend their cloud shave foam too. It's insanely thick and stays on while you shave so you don't have to reapply. It leaves your skin feeling very moisturized. It's really, really good. If you want to try a great quality razor that cuts down on the wastefulness of disposable razors, try Athena Club Razor Kit. You can get 20% off your first order at athenaclub.com with the promo code SELFIE. That's A-T-H-E-N-A-C-L-U-B.com with the promo code SELFIE for 20% off. Okay, before we get to chatting about orgasms, we want to take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors. You guys know I love meal kits. I love meal subscription kits, but there is one real standout at a much lower price point, and that is every plate. Even at regular price, every plate is up to 58% cheaper than all of the other ones out there. In fact, one meal from every plate is about the same price as a cup of coffee. And every plate dinners are the cheaper alternative to takeout or delivery. Recipes come together in about 30 minutes, definitely faster than a trip to the grocery store and starting a meal from scratch. Every plate offers contactless delivery to your doorstep for easy home cooking on a budget. 
getting dinner on the table can be a real challenge, especially in the middle of a pandemic where we're all tired of cooking and eating the same thing. Every plate can plan, shop, and deliver everything you need to cook a delicious meal at a really good price. Every plate provides easy to follow recipes and pre portioned ingredients, and it takes the stress out of dinner time. It's great for kids learning to cook and great for parents who are stressed between work and school supervision. Every plate offers a changing menu of 14 recipes per week featuring a range of flavors and ingredients so you'll never get bored. You can try Every Plate, which is a fantastic deal already, but they are giving our listeners meals for just $1.99 per meal with an additional 20% off your next two boxes by going to everyplate.com and entering the code SELFIE199. Again, that is code SELFIE199 for $1.99 per meal, plus an additional 20% off your next two boxes at everyplate.com. All right, where well, I am excited to be chatting with Stephanie Estima today. She is a chiropractor and clinician, and she really specializes in looking at women's health and specifically sexual wellness. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. So, it, as we were chatting before we started talking, you mentioned the fact that women in general tend to be pleasure deficient. Talk to me about that. Yeah, I think that this is just a pattern that I have observed in, um, you know, my years in running a private practice. I was in private practice for you know, 16 years. And, um, one of the things that I noticed with women is that we put everybody ahead of ourselves. So when we look at our to-do list and the things that we need to get done in a day, it's usually we are serving, you know, our kids, we are taking care of our friends, we're being the, you know, the listening ear for them, we're attending to maybe our aging parents and some of the health challenges that they might have. We are, you know, if we're in a relationship, we're dealing with that, mm -hmm. you know, we're trying to run the house, trying to have the career, all the things. And it's often the case that women don't even make their own to-do list. Like they don't even, there's nothing on their, um, you know, schedule on a day-to-day -day basis that really involves them and taking care of them. And this is a huge problem because, you know, very similar to the, you know, when you, when we were able to fly, you know, the adage where, you, you know, they say, put the mask on yourself before helping others. Yeah. The same is, the same is very much true for women. You cannot, you cannot pour from an empty cup. You really do need to be able to be filled up with your own pleasure. And, you know, like we were chatting uh, in the pre-chat, that could be sexual. It could be things that bring you just absolute joy that might be painting or cooking or creating or singing or, you know, anything that, um, brings you happiness. And what I see, of course, and when we, when we, when we sort of look at women in general, of course, we see much higher rates of anxiety, much higher rates of depression, much higher rates of autoimmune conditions. And all of these things have their roots in chronic low grade stress and inflammation. Yeah. So what I love to talk about, and I, I hope we'll, we'll get to talk about today is this idea of putting yourself first and that being selfish is actually one of the best things that you can do. And I know that there's, <laughs> there's sort of this negative connotation around uh -huh. that word. But I think on the opposite end of the spectrum, being selfless, you know, being a martyr is going to leave you resentful, bitter, mm -hmm. angry, and tired. So yeah. if you just carve out a little bit of time for yourself first, then you, you will have that, you know, that cuppeth runneth over, and then you can give to all the people that matter to you. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So that's, that's, that's sort of the observations that I have met, uh, that I've, that I've observed. And, um, you know, I hope we'll talk about some solutions around it today as well. Yeah. And I find that to be so true, even for myself, when I think that I'm doing everything for everyone else and I'm kind of martyring myself, which I can definitely get into. I find that my refusal to take time for myself will bite me back. Like my body or my mind will take, will reclaim that time in the form of insomnia or anxiety. It's like, it's going to catch up with me if I don't take those pauses. Absolutely. And I would say that that's especially true for very driven women as well. <laughs> so yeah. if you are like the type A personality, yeah. you know, like the type A in me honors and loves you know, the type <laughs> A in you, right? 
what we what we see is we we like to pretend like we're men. We put our heads down and we punch it out, even though we might feel like we're exhausted. And I think that a lot of us, you know, myself included in this conversation, I spent years really rallying against slowing down and taking rest days and recovering because somehow I had equated that with being unproductive. And of course that morphed into being unworthy. And I think that when a woman who is driven can recognize that all of your gains, you know, like whether that's Mm -hmm. physical gains, if you're like training, uh, you know, your mental gains, all of your gains come in the rest, all of them do. And it is one of the most productive things you can actually do is to take some time off. It's so true. So this is a conversation we are always having at Selfie. How do we, you know, take that time and what are the ways to care for ourselves? And I have to admit that in two years of doing this podcast, orgasms is not a topic we have addressed, although it makes perfect sense. So talk to me about why orgasms are a good way for us to care for ourselves. So this actually started um, my uh, sort of nerd, you know, dive into sexual health um, really uh, came from my uh, teachings in or my, you know, being a student of functional neurology. So what that Hmm. what that means is we're really looking at brain health and we're looking at, you know, how can we strengthen areas of the brain that are involved in, you know, future planning, emotional regulation. This is often Hmm. called the frontal lobe or the prefrontal Mm -hmm. cortex. It's like the executive part of your brain. And I remember being at a lecture once and one of my instructors was saying, you know, when a, when, you know, men and women, uh, are engaging in regular sex. So they had defined, like we were talking about a study and the the study had defined it as a minimum of one time a week. Those couples compared to couples who were not having sex at that frequency reported higher levels of happiness, higher levels of contentment, and then Mm. better vitals. So things like blood pressure and respiratory rate and oxygen saturation. And so I, I started thinking, oh my goodness, that's so interesting. And I remember a couple of years ago listening to a uh, a Tim Ferriss podcast and he was talking about how he what had helped him in his business was actually the opposite. So he said, you know, having all of the, you know, the sex and the orgasms he found so distracting. Huh. For his, uh, you know, for his business that he decided to, um, you know, take a, uh, you know, a vow of, of, you know, celibacy or what have you and like abstaining from sex and uh, ejaculation. And I remember listening to that and thinking, okay, that is the, you know, love Tim Ferriss, love him. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the reasons why I, you know, started my own podcast, but this is actually where men and women are distinct. And we do, you know, I remember thinking like, man, all the women that are listening to him now are really, you know, cause for a woman, <laughs> When we think about a woman's health, you know, that may be true that, you know, for a man, you get rid of your sort of energy, right? Like the Chinese will call it your jing essence, like your, uh, you know, your, the ejaculate is getting rid of, uh, you know, energy and you have to work to replenish that. But for a woman, it's absolutely the opposite. The more orgasms that you are having, the the better you are going to see some of those vitals that we were talking about, like respiratory rate, blood pressure, heart rate, all of those things. You're going to also see better menstrual cycles. So women who, um, who have PMS or some of the cramping and sleep disturbances and mood alterations in the second half of their cycle leading up to their period, you know, regular orgasms have been shown to improve pain tolerance and to have regular, um, you know, better metabolism of estrogen and all of these different um, parameters. So for a woman, it's actually the opposite advice. So opposite, you know, it's very rare that I go opposite to Tim, but I'll say, you know, for a woman, <laughs> it's like as many as you can get, right? Mm. So whether you have a partner or you have a toy that you call your partner, you know, <laughs> you have to chase after those orgasms because it is, it, there is a positive benefit in terms of your longevity, in terms of your health span, and in terms of, you know, cardiovascular health, in terms of brain health, all of the things that we want to be thinking about, you know, for our health right now, but also our our health 10 years from now and 20 years and and beyond. Which is so fascinating to me because I feel like no one talks about this. Like no one is saying, hey, there's actually physical benefits to your body of having more orgasms. I think we think of, you know, having an orgasm or pleasuring ourselves as 
um, you know, just kind of a sideways path. Like, you know, it doesn't add anything to our life. It's a diversion. It's a hobby, um, hobby, selfish, you know, Um, and, you know, I mean, I think I know the answer, but why are people not talking about the health benefits of female orgasm? Oh, well, this is, um, this is a complex question. Um, and I think that there are, me- it's multifactorial. I will say that I think in general, um, when we think about some of the benefits that an orgasm can, um, uh, you know, give a woman, it is going to help her for her fertility, her overall vitality. And I think just generally as a society, you know, we teach women to be scared of, you know, our fertility or our sensuality or our sexuality, but we don't actually teach about why that is or what, you know, what some of the parameters around fertility and vitality are for a female. And I think that traditionally, when we sort of look at, you know, the, the allopathic model of healthcare, as it pertains to women, it's, you know, it's either like cut the organs out, cut the, cut the, you know, cut the breasts mm-hmm. off, take the, take the uterus out or medicate her. Um, I don't think that there is the same amount of, um, uh, dedication to understanding the root cause around why a woman might be feeling, you know, menstrual pain, for example, or anxiety, or she's feeling yeah. worn down. And I think, you know, in, in many cases, I think it's a hard conversation to have if you yourself are not well versed in, you know, reproductive health and sexual health. I think it's a hard, as a doctor, sometimes it can be a hard conversation to have with your patient if you don't have that rapport. Yeah. So we will sort of give you all these different, like different carrots, you know, like dangle these different carrots and not really get down to some really easy and simple lifestyle, um, you know, modifications like regular orgasms that Mm -hmm. can really have these profound effects on, on female health. Well, and it's like, that is a symptom, isn't it, of Western medication and, and some doctors, not all doctors, but, you know, case in point, I went and saw my gynecologist last week and I, you know, listed out some of my symptoms and, he wanted to put me immediately on an estrogen patch. We didn't discuss my diet. We didn't discuss my activity, my sleep, my stress. We didn't discuss any of that functional stuff. He immediately wanted to give me a prescription. And maybe that prescription would be great. But like, also maybe, you know, because I'm doing research on the side, like, I feel like I want to look at other options first. But we are so often, as you said, we, you know, it's remove an organ or give a medication. Those are the two things that we can sometimes get from traditional medicine when there's so many other factors involved. Yeah. And, and I, and I will say that I don't think that this is like malicious intent, right? No, like your, your no. OBGYN is not like, how can I make her life hell? You know, like that's not what, like that's just mm-hmm. what she knows or that's what he knows, yeah. right? Like Absolutely. that's the, that's the paradigm. That's the philosophical yeah. premise Absolutely. that they operate from. So I think that, you know, I love that you're doing more research. And this is, this is kind of the, this is kind of the point right here. Like the point of, you know, having this conversation is around empowering women yeah. to make the best decisions for themselves. Like maybe the estrogen patch is a great option for you, but I would only consider that once there have been other uh, proxies or other mechanisms that have been presented first, right? It's like, first do no harm. Like here's yeah. the simple stuff. Do some of the stuff that's already available to you. Like, you know, for when we, when we talk about female anatomy, you got 8,000 nerve endings, like in the clitoris, like that's like, that's a lot of attention, you know, <laughs> you, you know, and you can make the argument that, you know, pleasure is your, you are designed <laughs> to have an experience mm-hmm. pleasure. So can we give, you know, our, our female patients some, um, easy things that they can go off and do before we jump to an aggressive intervention like, yeah. you know, whatever whatever intervention it is. But yeah. I, I love the idea of sort of grading it. Like, let's just look at your diet, as you were saying. And let's, maybe now we're going to look at your exercise routine. And now we're going to look at your, you know, self-care regimen. What, how can we reduce some of your chronic stress? And then once those things have been mastered, say, okay, you know what? You also just need a little bit more. You need a little bit more love. Let's get you on the estrogen patch. Let's get you on the thing that, you know, that's going to just help with your symptoms right now. Yeah. And yeah, no doctor has ever told me you should have more orgasms. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. So for, you know, the listener who's like, okay, I get it. I want to try to do this. You know, what is just some practical advice for women to be having more orgasms? 
Well, I think that the unsexy answer here is to schedule it in. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. Like, like, like we do everything else in our lives. Yeah. You know when your son has soccer practice, you know when your daughter has, you know, ballet lessons, you know when those Zoom calls are happening for them all day long. So make some time for yourself, put it in your calendar and call it whatever you want. Like, and it can be, you know, uh, it, it can all, like at the very minimum, when we look at the research, it's like a minimum of once a week. Like, I'd like you to be doing it a little bit more often than that. Like we can kind of start at once a week and then grade it up um, from there. But I think that, you know, a small little calendar uh, note to yourself or a little reminder on your phone, I think is great. You know, a lot of us are still home now. So there's a lot of opportunity to sort of tuck away in between, you know, Zoom meetings. And, yeah. you know, you can, you know, have turn the a little... Zoom camera off first. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> don't bring the phone in. Don't bring Clubhouse into the bedroom with you. Uh, yeah, so I would I would definitely uh, be scheduling it in. I think it's one of the easiest ways. And it's an appointment, you know, with yourself and then sort of the knock on effect of, having an appointment and actually following through on it is that you start to develop more self trust and more yeah. self agency. It's like, yeah. okay, I'm not going to break another appointment with myself. This is really important. I really want to have some of these cardiovascular benefits, brain benefits, et cetera. And I just kind of want to feel good. Um, you know, can I do that? And then there's this sort of snowball effect that begins to happen where you're like, okay, so if I can keep a promise to, I can keep a, you know, 15 minute or 20 minute promise to myself here. Where can I, where else can I do this in my life? Is there, you know, 15 or 20 minutes that I can, you know, do 10 push ups or, you know, a mm -hmm. couple squats in between my Zoom meetings or, or what have you. And then it starts to sort of grow these tentacles, right? Where you can start to see where else in my life can I begin to master some of these really foundational basics that in aggregate over time are going to lead to these huge changes in uh, in your health and well-being. Yeah. And it's interesting because this is, you know, this spins off of another thing that I was chatting with BJ, who's our resident therapist about, is that I think moms really have a hard time having boundaries with their kids. And I know this is hard because I have four ones and I know you have three. Um, but just to be able to close the door and tell the kids, this is my time, like mom's taking some time for 20 minutes and you guys are going to play in your room or read a book, you know, just to be able to have those moments where we let our kids know, like, you can't interrupt me for 20 minutes. A hundred percent. And I think that that's also a really great lesson for your kids as well, yes. because now your children are going to observe you yeah. taking care of yourself. And they're going to say, well, mom's a really important person, you know, in my life, like as my mom, but she's also an important person outside of being a mother, mm -hmm. right? She's an important mm -hmm. person as a woman or yep. in her career or in any other vertical. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I totally agree with that. I love that. Well, and what's interesting too is that when we show our kids that we are whole human beings, not just parents that are available to serve them, but that we have our own needs, our interests, like it actually builds empathy. They see us as whole people, not just as servants to them. Completely. And this is the martyr. This is sort of the martyr, yeah. right? One of the mm -hmm. things that I would observe with, you know, some of my older, older patients, uh, particularly those who've kind of gone through menopause and their children are a little bit older, you know, it's like, God, like I just gave everything to these kids and there's yeah. this bitterness and this resentment that tends to sink in. So I think yeah. it's important for any woman, irrespective of culture, right? Because, you know, culture is another sort of layering onto this where, you know, many cultures... um tend to look at females as sort of the weaker, less important um, sex. So I think little girls who have grown up in that, you know, cultural norm, they tend to view themselves as less important, right? So we tend mm -hmm. not to, we tend not to schedule those things out for ourselves because we don't think that we're worth it. Yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, irrespective of where you come from, what your cultural background is, I think that we can all agree that if you want, even, even if, even if you want to be the best mom, even if it's not even for yourself, which, you know, maybe it's a different, I tend to want people to engage in self-care because they inherently believe that they are worth it. But even mm -hmm. if we're not there yet, like even if you're like, yeah, okay, fake it till you make to, it. 
Fake it to me. Like, even if you are saying, okay, I'm going to do this because I want to be more present, a more present uh, mother to my children. Um, or I want to be a, you know, be able to help my, you know, mom who's aging and has some health issues now or, or whatever, or whatever. Even if you do it from that, you will be so much, uh, I mean, you'll just be so much happier. It's like, you know, life is not, you know, we don't get a second shot at it. It's, yeah. you know, it's like, it's not a dress rehearsal. So why yeah. not take some time to, you know, just enjoy the way that your body is desi- like you're designed for pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before we end, I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, um, you know, f- for the listeners who have st- a struggle having an orgasm or for those who never have been able to have an orgasm, do you have any advice for women who are in that situation? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that, you know, when we think of anorgasmia or like the inability to, uh, to orgasm, there are multiple reasons why that might be. Um, one of the more common ones that I, I typically see is, um, is a hormonal change in, um, a, a hormone called testosterone. So I know that testosterone, we always associate that with the guys, right? But women have testosterone too. Right. And as we age, our testosterone levels begin to decline. So very, and there's, there's more of an acute decline sort of in our late 40s uh, and through into uh, menopause. So when you are in a lower testosterone um, environment, there can be several things that can be happening anatomically. So things like, you know, poor lubrication, the sex is painful, um, you know, the, um, the, in, in the, the vaginal wall itself, there can be some atrophy, like the vaginal wall is made up of muscle. And when we think about what maintains muscle, well, that like, that's, testosterone and there are other things, but testosterone is sort of the main uh, sort of gatekeeper there. So as your testosterone is coming down or as lowering, you can start to have some of this vaginal wall atrophy. So this is literally mm-hmm. a case of use it or lose it. So the more that you are able to even just in, and it doesn't have to be that you are going for the orgasm all the time, right? It could just be self-exploration, figuring out um, what you want. But I would say that for uh, for women who are experiencing difficulty climaxing or difficulty with lubrication, like there is a huge range in terms of what is considered normal, right? So we've yeah. been kind of throwing around like yeah. twenty minutes, but for some women it might be thirty or forty, yeah. you know. So mm-hmm. there, you have to have a sort of this. Um, uh, you have to give yourself a little bit of grace and a little yes. bit of time without yeah. this pressure to perform. Yeah. And one of the, one of the best ways that you can maintain muscle, uh, maintain your muscles is to use them. So to engage in that self pleasure or with your partner on a regular basis. And the other thing that you can do, uh, outside of taking, you know, hormonal therapy, of course, is building up your lean muscle mass. So literally training, like exercising, in the gym, lifting weights, using your own body weight, this is going to naturally increase your testosterone levels. Hmm. So as you increase your muscle mass, you will need more testosterone in order to maintain that because it is functional active tissue. So training is actually a really, really great way to um, to help with your sexual and reproductive health as well. I would never have made that connection. That's so interesting. And yeah, I think to your point, it's so important for women to understand that like what we're seeing in television and on the movies about how long it takes a female to orgasm. Like I just watched the Bridgerton series where, you know, they're doing these like two minute sex scenes where the woman has an orgasm in two minutes. And I'm like, hmm, Oh, please. Hmm, yeah. Uh, can we yeah. stop? Can we stop making these? Yeah. <laughs> can and we this- get a female director? <laughs> Exactly. Where's the female director who's going to scoff at this? I know. Right. It's so true. And it's, it's even when you look at sex scenes in the movies, it's like, that's not what happens. You're like bumping into each other. You're sweating. Mm -hmm. You're laughing. You're giggling. You know, there's like all these different things. It's not, you know, I mean, they make it look super pretty and super, you know, uh, it's super stylized, but like, let's, yeah, I agree. Where's the female director for sure? Well, thank you so much. Talk to me um, before we go. Talk to me about your book. You have a book called The Betty Body. Yeah, so we have a book. It's coming out uh, February 16th, and uh, it will be available, you know, on Amazon. You can go to bettybodybook.com, and there's some super sweet bonuses that we have there for you as well. And the book is basically a lot about what we've been talking about today, so a lot of sexual health, but it's also, you know, 
it's about how to take care of yourself as a woman. I think, you know, we touched on this in our conversation today where, you know, it, there, we very much grow, have grown up in a patriarchal society and sometimes it can be a toxic one. So I think there's a lot of shame and a lot of sort of confusion around, yeah. you know, how should a woman eat? How should she be training? How should mm-hmm. she be supplementing? How can she be putting herself first? Like this idea of self-care. So we go through some of these, a lot of these tenants in the book and there's sort of actionable steps in terms of how to alter your eating. If, you know, if weight loss is a goal or brain, getting rid of brain fog or more energy, or how can you train in accordance with your menstrual cycle? What are, you know, we talk a lot, the biggest chapter in the book is about sex. Like the biggest <laughs> chapter in the book is about, you know, the different types of orgasms that you can have and what's happening in each one and what's happening to the brain and, you know, how you can, you know, use certain essential oils and, you know, read erotica and all these different things that can help with your, you know, cultivating a pleasure practice. So, uh, super proud of it. It's something that I've been um, working on for the past two years, and it's it's finally here. That's fantastic. It sounds like a perfect book for our audience. So we will also be linking that up in our show notes and in our Facebook community. Stephanie, thank you so much. I really appreciate this conversation. Me too. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I am going to chat with BJ, we wanted to talk about a conversation that came up in our selfie Facebook community. If you are not in there yet, I cannot encourage you enough to come join us there. It is such a safe space for talking about all of life's issues. But one that came up was it was a mom wondering how much cell phone monitoring is appropriate and whether or not she should be looking at her kids texts between friends. There were some parents that felt like, you know what, that's a violation of privacy. And then there were other people who felt like, you know, a cell phone is different than a journal or a private conversation, and they can be screenshot and shared and all that kind of stuff. And that it needs more monitoring. So I wanted to continue that conversation with you, BJ. Yeah, I think in the digital age, this is a topic that's different than it would have been I think every year this topic changes Yeah, because access and ability to monitor changes constantly and what our kids are exposed to and the potential for exposure is so different than it's constantly changing. Yeah. And so I think it is something that needs to be visited often. Um, yeah, I have, I raised kids. My, the internet came out when my kids were in high school. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't have to deal with this to an, an nth degree, although in the early days of the internet, porn would just show up on your screen without warning. Yes. And we were constantly having to navigate that. And then um, instant messaging was about at the extent of what we had. But I know in my own experience, there was an ex- there was a, was a situation where um, my daughter was being um, – she she was kind of being given an ultimatum about something in a relationship mm. and she did not know how to manage it mm-hmm. and AOL would log your aim conversations sometimes uh-huh. and i happened upon her conversation with this person by accident and it was a game changer. It would have been devastating had I not seen that log hmm. and that conversation. Um, and we were able instead to intervene and interrupt the situation. And, um, and she appreciated that. And she did not have the courage to come to me and tell me it was happening before because she didn't know how, we, how I would have responded. So I, I think it's crucial that we, we be aware that we are parents. And there really isn't anything off limits with our kids. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's about our intention around it mm-hmm. and how we are being mindful around connect uh, around protecting our kids mm-hmm. and connecting with our kids, right? And making sure that they're aware of their own risks and how to manage them, because that's not going to be an equal situation among your children. You're gonna no. have some some of your children are going to be able to do that better than others, even yes. within a family. And so the rules may not be consistent across the board. And that's why there's not a really simple cut and dried answer to the question that came on that thread, because 
there, there's so many factors that play into it. There's not a cut and dried answer, but I, I do want to say this, you know, people, I mean, on average, kids are getting phones between age eight and 10, yep. which is very, very young. And if you hand an eight or 10 year old a phone and say, you know, I don't want to snoop. This is their privacy. You are, you're giving them a loaded gun. They are not yes. old enough. None yep. of them are old enough. I have observed, you know, and it, it doesn't even have to be bullying or a level 10, but like I've observed, you know, my daughter, my kids don't get a cell phone plan until eighth grade, but they have old cell phones. Like my 11 year old has an old cell phone that she uses on Wi Fi. That's what mm-hmm. she's allowed at this age. Yeah. And I've observed her just, Bad behavior, you know, bad phone etiquette, um, telling people to stop texting her because she's in class instead of just ignoring the message, right? Or, mm-hmm. yes, or, um, spamming her friends, sending, you know, 10 memes in a row, you know, just behavior that's not great. And like, yeah, just like anything else in life at this age, she needs a little coaching. Like, hey, they honey, have to be taught. Yeah. If you've sent two texts and you haven't gotten a response, don't text again till you get mm-hmm. a response. Or, hey, don't tell people that they can't have a conversation because you're in drama class. You, you know, put your phone away. Don't, you know, and it's just, it's immature behavior. But like our kids are going to behave badly with the phone because they don't understand it yet. And to think that like, they're just going to magically have these skills and we should leave them alone to figure it out. I just don't think that's the case. I think they need coaching just like they need coaching in anything else in life. Absolutely. And supervision, like anything else in life. And, you know, our kids have a great propensity to behave in ways that they wouldn't behave in person because they're not getting emotional feedback from a text. So they can be more hurtful. They can be, you know, more rude. There is a much greater chance that a kid is going to bully over a text versus in person because they're removed. They're removed from the immediate feedback. I was asked to sit on a panel with a group of junior high kids last year talking about social media. And um, I commented on the, the things that people, I said, don't ever say or do anything online that you wouldn't say or do to someone's face. Yeah. And one boy on the front row, just his hand went up to his mouth. He looked around and he got tears in his eyes. And I stopped and I said, what's going on for you? And he said, I do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's okay because yeah. I'm not talking to them. Yeah. And no one had ever, I mean, that sounds crazy, but that's how middle-aged, I mean, middle school kids' brains work. Yeah. It had never crossed his mind that that was a line to be drawn, that that was an, a, a way that you could harm and hurt other people. And he said, I'm realizing I've lost friendships over that, but I didn't understand that I was at fault. I mm-hmm. thought because I was being honest, it felt like, oh, this is a place where I have courage. Right. Yeah. And, that and instead courage, he realized he was being a bully. Yes. That, that screen filter courage can get a lot of kids into trouble. Yes. You know, my, one of my kids, um, this was in eighth grade had a friend um, tell him that a bunch of them were going to the movies and they gave him the wrong time in the wrong theater on purpose. Mm. So they were trying to basically, and they thought this was just a funny joke over the phone. Now, luckily I caught it. I had a bad yeah. feeling um, and I figured out what was going on, but like he could have shown up alone to a movie theater and have, yeah. you know, had a situation that he would never forget, you know, just yes. being completely punked. Now, yeah. I ended up having to reach out to this other parent and tell them what happened. And they told me, I don't snoop on my kids. That was her That was her response. I don't snoop mm-hmm. on my kids. Well, no, you don't. And your kid is an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Like all of our kids, and, and mm-hmm. my kids have done some bad things too. You know, there, yeah. there's yes. a, definitely a trend of like, I dare you to text so-and-so that you like them. That's a, you know, kids mm-hmm. behave, they, they behave very badly on the yeah. phone. They hey, all do. When I was in junior high, I got a phone call from a friend and she was 
getting me to gossip about another friend, not uh-huh. knowing the other friend was right there in the oh, room. Oh, we I did mean, the same crap. We didn't need texts or internet no. to do that. Uh-huh. So kids aren't any different. And in no. fact, they're more bol- emboldened yes. because they have these devices that yeah. give them freedoms. And it's just another way to gang up on each other. Yeah. So it's really not about snooping on your kids. No, it's, it's about, about supervising. raising. I, yeah, to me, it's about raising our kids. Yes. I mean, I wouldn't, if, if you take these devices out of the picture, would you do the same thing about another situation? No, you'd get involved. If you yeah. heard it happening in your own home, right. you'd get involved. You'd say, hey, guys, let's figure out a way to work through this. But when it's happening outside of your earshot, yeah. Because it's on a text, you've got access to that. You, it gives you the freedom to intervene and teach not only your child, but model for their friends how to work through things differently than they do when left to their own devices. Cause they're going to use, they're going to be influenced to do it in ways that aren't healthy because yeah. that's just part of growing up. Yeah. And I will say this too, and I've said this in the thread, you know, for me, and I think this is a good resource for most parents. Installing Bark is a really good idea because what they do is they monitor and then they have an algorithm and you can set it, you know, you can kind of set it like I have mine for my older teenagers. Like, I don't need to be alerted every time somebody cusses. (laughs) Like, right. I don't care. (laughs) Right. I don't care about that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it will alert you anytime that there is a conversation that seems to be problematic. And so I don't have to sit and read through my kids' texts, but I do get an alert. And, you know, nine times out of a 10, the alert is like, oh, they were being sarcastic saying, I'm going to kill you, you know? Right. But one time out of 10, it's something that mm-hmm. I need to go to my kid and say like, hey, what's going on, you know? Yes. Um, and so that gives me the freedom to not have to look at everything, but, you know, someone is watching. Yes. Yeah, and I think it's crucial. I think... I think if you're telling yourself that that's a, a breach of your kids of your kids' privacy, mm-hmm. when in reality this is an opportunity for connection between you and your child, yeah, to talk about something that would actually strengthen their emotional intelligence, strengthen their ability to be a good friend, mm-hmm. then you're missing an opportunity because you've decided it's none of your business, right? But if you didn't have this dynamic happening over here with this device, would you, what would your parenting be like around these things? Mm-hmm. And if it's, if you don't find a way to translate it over, then you're letting go of an element of parenting that's really crucial yeah. to the development of your kids. I agree. I agree. And I think, you know, I, I think if you, if your kids know early on, like if, if you develop that habit, if you hand them a phone at 10 and they know that you're going to read everything and you say that from then on, it becomes a habit. Like they don't, yep. you know, my kids are not scandalized that I read their texts. They just know right. that's the way that it is because I pay for this phone. Yes. And because every single one of them has made a misstep with, with their mm-hmm. phone. And, um, you know, I think them knowing that I could read any of it keeps them on their toes. Yeah. It keeps them behaving better. I've even seen them be like, my mom reads this. So, you know, settle down. <laughs> Isn't it the the equivalent of the bedroom door staying open? Yeah, it is. I mean, that's how I see it. Yeah, I'm. I, I, that's a, a standard rule that most parents implement. And mm-hmm. if I, and I don't think that's over monitoring. I think that's just creating safety for your kids. And the truth is, you've got to remember as parents. I remember when my kids were little reading some book, and I think it might have been a book that I wouldn't even say the name of now, but yeah. <laughs> um, but it talked about when a security guard walks around a building at night and turns doorknobs, they hope the doorknob won't turn. Yeah. And it's because if it ha- if it does, then that door's been breached and that room may have someone in there that they're now encountering. And the whole concept of that with kids is that they really do want to know where the limits are. They yeah. feel safer when they know there's a safety net. I yeah. know you've done this, Kristen, and I did this as a parent too. I'll be your scapegoat. Tell your yep. tell your friends, like you said, my mom li- my mom reads this stuff, so be careful what you write, you mm-hmm. know? I'll be their scapegoat. I always made myself available to say, yep, you can blame me. 
I'll do it any, yeah. I'll take that on any time yeah. because all I want is for my children to feel safe yep. and empowered to create safety for themselves. And if I don't model it for them and if I don't provide it for them, they'll never learn where those boundaries are for themselves. Totally. We can't expect that they're just going to spontaneously, spontaneously know these things. We really do have to intentionally teach them. No, I agree. And I will say this too in closing as a parent who does you know, occasionally check in on those texts. I really wish other parents would because it's also a lot of pressure being a parent who knows stuff about all the other kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know who's having sex. I know who's sending nudes. I know all of it. And it's a lot. I mean, I have 14 and 16 year olds. The behavior that I've seen is insane. And, you know, like everybody needs to parent their own kids because it's very difficult for those of us who are paying attention to know what to do when we know crazy stuff about your kid. Wow. (laughs) Like, step it up, you guys. I don't want, I don't want to have to try to figure out what I do when your Mm -hmm. daughter sends my son a sexy photo. Yes. You need to be watching. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Uh, Everybody do your part, please. Everybody do your part. Let's just parent our kids. I think it's really crucial there. It's such an important time in their lives. Yeah. And they really do need and want the guidance more than they're going to let you know. Yeah. They're trying to figure out how to be adults in the world. And they're going to push back on you because they're trying to convince you that they're ready, even though they're not. And that yeah. pushback has a lot of fear wrapped up in it that they don't want you to know they feel. Yeah. But it doesn't mean it's not there. And you have to remember that. You have yep. to remember that they're scared. And that's what the behavior is. It's not what it looks like. It looks like anger and rebellion. Mm-hmm. It's really fear of what if I don't know what to do here. Yeah. And so step in. Give yep. them the tools they need. And yep. especially around these devices. Completely agree. Hey, thank you for joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us on Instagram at at selfiepodcast and in the Selfie Podcast community group on Facebook. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so you can catch up with us next week. Take care. Take care.